0: Hello, and welcome to episode six of Dualistic Unity. I'm playing the part of Andrew today.
1: And I'm Ray. I'm just going to leave it at that this time, because (laughs) I always tend to make it more complicated, but let's just stick with I'm called Ray. So we were just having a great discussion about how habits or or even habitual stories can can be told so many times that they almost take the appearance of making sense, and then they provide the comfort of something that makes sense. But when you look at them outside of of your conditioned programming, or you look at them outside of what you're familiar with and everybody else tells you is true, they don't really hold up under skepticism at all. And this is something that I've been facing a lot this week on TikTok, because I made a few posts about religion and belief. And and, um, the responses are always quite interesting because the response is always, no, And that's usually where it stops, just, no. And and if it doesn't stop at no, it's, well, you'll see when you die. And and those are the two responses that I'm I'm used to when it comes to arguing belief, because there's nowhere you can go with that. There's no, it's like, well, OK, so you're threatening me to try and prove your belief, but that doesn't that doesn't do anything about what the relationship you have with the here and now whatsoever. It's like, yeah, yeah well, you'll see when you die. And, and, and no matter how much you make the point, well, you're just holding on to that idea because it validates your belief. They'll just run. They will run. And, and it's always interesting that they'll do so saying, oh, no, no, you're afraid to believe in God. It's like that makes no sense. That makes zero sense whatsoever. If I, was, if I believed in God, I'd have something to be afraid of, especially if I believed he was judgmental. But not believing in God means I have nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> like there's, there's no fear whatsoever because there's, no, there's nobody casting judgment, which I always find really funny because sin, the etymology of sin, is just to miss the mark. It's to miss the point. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It never did. It just means... missed the point which is oddly enough exactly how serious as it is yeah
0: yeah i mean i've found some just some very interesting responses when i post religious related things and i had that post last week that was like honestly it was kind of like the response you're used to it now i'm not as used to that like the 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 wrath of the followers or the believers It's like, oh man, I don't know if I was expecting this necessarily. Like, this is some of the most, like, the most angry people I've ever come across on TikTok, and I've posted. I haven't stayed away from all like controversial topics. Like, I'll post things where people, you know, don't like it and they have negative comments. But this was like another level, and a lot of the arguments I found things like. Well, you'll see when you die, or no, no, God's outside of space and time. Like that's that's how. And it's like, how do my responses were like, how do you know this? Like, how are you coming up with these fictitious sentiments about something that you're so sure of? Like, how are you so sure of this? Like, I'm not saying that I'm sure of anything, but I'm not, you know, pretending that I have an answer. And it was just so interesting.
1: Well, that's it. Is that I, I want to believe it. That's that, at the end of the day, that's all it is. And I remember, I mean, I, I was, I was raised Roman Catholic. I, I had my Bible and my rosary and I went to confession and I, and I did all of that. And there was a security in knowing that if I just followed the rules, as I've been told, if I die in my sleep, if I die before awake right? The Lord will take my soul and I'm all good to go. And so there's there's this vested interest in believing. I ran across a, a, a live stream the other day about, it was this teenage girl, I think she was probably 16, 17, and Christian. I, I ran across a lot of Christian live streams on TikTok and I and I almost never pass up the opportunity to drop in and just remind that Jesus never claimed he was the only son of God. Um, but she was she was crying and she's like, somebody had said you're, one day you'll grow out of christianity and she's like i don't want to grow out of christianity jesus makes me feel safe and he feels and he makes me feel loved and it's like that's it you got it you got exactly why you don't want to let it go and you nailed it and, and it's like one day you're going to realize that is that's how children feel so children who are afraid project a parent figure they project a father figure that will take care of them and make them feel better, which is why I always say that belief is a bedtime story for scared, for scared children. That's all it is, right? And then if you go and you tell those children, well, actually the story is not true, they don't wanna hear it. They just, all they feel is the fear. They, they don't have the wherewithal the clarity to go, oh, okay, so I was just looking at this in a way that was you know, not necessarily helping me as much as it could because religion isn't evil. By any means, it's a story. It's like any other story. There's lessons in it. It's just when we attach to it and go, no, it's unquestionable. It's it's the word of God. And I actually had a Christian tell me once because he's like, the Bible is the word of God, and I'm like, the Bible's open to interpretation. And his response, and it stuck with me even to this day, is no, the Bible interprets itself. Hmm. Where do you go for that? How do you even have that yeah. conversation?
0: Yeah, that's what I was finding was a lot of them were dead ends and it's like they didn't, yeah, they don't They don't want to have discussions and they don't think that it's important because it's part of their identity and who they perceive themselves to be. But yeah, because a lot of my responses were like, you know, they're like, well, you can't prove or disprove it. And I'd be like, yeah, you also can't, prove or disprove any fairy tale or, you know, the uh, Santa Claus or any of those like, so that's not like the greatest argument. And then I had some people respond like, well, no, because there's ancient, you know, testimony to religion. And there's like hundreds of thousands, millions of people across the globe who practice it. That's why it's not the same as a fairy tale. Like that doesn't mean anything. That just means there's a lot of people believing in a fairy tale. (laughs)
1: like Santa
0: Claus. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That was my, yeah. It's like, you can't prove or you can't technically disprove Santa, I guess. And like the whole idea of disproving something like, like the idea of there being atheists. It's like, we didn't, we wouldn't have to use a term like atheist if there wasn't people who made up this idea of a heavenly father you know, creator of the universe. Like it would just be, we are here now. That's it.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. Right. But you got to remember that the people who were playing this game of make-believe were playing it for thousands of years and and they very much had a, they were leaned upon by the people who were afraid the world was a scary place. And so Without clarity or without anybody to kind of lead us along and go, you know, there, there are other things that, that you can look at. There, there are questions you can ask yourself. There's existence that you can come to terms with. They were told, just go to the church. Just, just follow Jesus. Just follow, you know, and, and then there were re- regular periods where anybody who didn't was killed. Right, like that—that was it. If you didn't follow the church, you were going to get wiped out, and so the world became a very scary place. And we fell into this habit. I mean, it wasn't that long ago the church was paying families to have children, just because half of those children would be put into the seminary or would be put into into a nunnery, right? Like that—that's how messed up it was. Is that we had people who were playing this game of make believe, paying people to continue to play make believe. That's how weird it is. But it's—it's it's not uncommon for religious people to use. Um, a spectacular amount of cognitive dissonance. And what I mean is that in the Inquisition, so the Spanish Inquisition was probably one of the most terrifying parts of our history because it was very much, if you were suspected of worshiping the devil by an Inquisitor, it's because God inspired that Inquisitor to doubt you. So the doubt was the conviction. There was no trial. If they thought you were a Satan worshiper, it's because God told them you were and you were going to burn. All you could do was say yes and, and die quickly. That was the only option you had. But the justification was if I had the thought, it had to come from God. And the same is true for believers in the Bible. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have this belief in God if God wasn't making me believe if God wasn't inspiring. It's like, nope, that's not how this works. That, that, that's, that's, it's the same reasoning. But that's not how that's this works. That's like saying, you know, if I if I have the urge to rob a store, it's the universe inspiring me to do so. It's like no, it's just a thought. It's all it is. Stop passing yeah. off responsibility.
0: Yeah, it, I feel like that kind of turns into this vicious cycle that is hard to end unless people are able to themselves. Like, how could an outsider end that way of thinking? It's like a it's it's an unbreakable cycle almost. That's yeah. just completely like made up <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely well i mean that that's the that's religion as a whole i mean look at uh, lutheranism right the only difference the, the only major difference between catholicism and lutheranism is that lutheranism doesn't believe the pope is infallible that was it so luther just disagreed with the church he's like the pope's a man he's not he's not perfect he's not the connection to god he can't be he's just a man and that was the division in the church that split between Catholicism and Lutheranism. That was it. Just one argument about the narrative, about the story. No, that guy's not perfect. And it literally split into a war in the church. It split into two different factions of Christianity as a result, because we're disagreeing about the story.
0: Yeah. And that's like, how, how do so many people like believe that? Cause yeah, technically Catholicism. And that's where it started for me was it was just piece by piece. There were things that I didn't believe about Catholicism. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And that doesn't make any sense. So like, yeah, sure. I'll still say I'm Catholic, but like, I'm starting to believe less and less. And now all of a sudden I believe like, you know, it's less than 50%. It's like, how can you call yourself something if it's less than 50%? And then it just like kept things just kept falling off from there until I was like, well, what am I doing? Still calling myself this. And then it's, you know, progressed quickly from there within the last couple of years. But yeah, it kind of started with that. And it's like, cause there's so many people I know who are, you know, nominally Catholic, but they don't believe in most of what it teaches. Like, are there still people? I mean, there are definitely that who believe a hundred percent. And like why why do they feel like they need to hold on to that? Is it or is it just that, you know, security and safety?
1: Very much. And familiarity. Right, It's familiarity and, and the alternative is terrifying. Because if I envision a being outside of myself, playing life like a chess game, you know, and a super intelligent being that, that has a vested interest in me so long as I'm really devoted to it, that gives me a certain feeling of control. It means I just have to jump through the right hoops. I just need to do the right things. And, and you know, God is on my side. This is the justification behind numerous holy wars. You know, God is on our side. It's like, well, who says, you know, both sides have a God. (laughs) Like, both sides are God. Um, But it just comes down to what we want to believe because of the way it makes us feel. And I wish it was more complicated than that. I really do. But it's not, it's just habitual. Over generations. So you have children that are raised in, and again, I've said it before, this is why the church is very, very adamant that we need to get young people into the church early, is because that's when they're not in a state of mind where they're going to question it. That's in a state of mind where they are in a state of mind where they're just going to fit into the environment because there are perks to doing so. And that's true. I've actually met a lot of Christians who don't necessarily believe, like you're saying. But continue to go to church because of the community, because of the social aspect of the church and and the access to people that they get through the church, as well as the assumptions that people make about them in the church because they go to church. So there's all kinds of control that goes into being a God-fearing Christian, but it's becoming less and less of a benefit now because more and more people are leaving Christianity, more and more people are leaving religion as a whole. And so suddenly if you come across somebody and they're like, oh, I'm a God, God-fearing Christian, 50 years ago, more than likely your response would have been, yeah, well, that's perfect, let's give you a job. Now your response is, oh, oh maybe we should talk about that. Like how much are you afraid exactly? And, and it, so it's a very different response and that's encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you hear that and you're like, oh, you must not be the most critical thinker out there. Like that actually might not be super helpful for this role because we need critical thinkers and people who question things and think outside the box, which you clearly have done very little if you're still in that box.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's very much how the conversation around religion has changed. And and that's not to say all religions are the same, but there there are certain things about monotheism, especially that are very similar. And it's in that belief of in an external or um, a separate creator. It's that belief that somebody is, is watching us in, in kind of a pastoral sense, which is why priests and pastors that I've known in my life often enjoy that relationship with their parishioners or with the people that go to their church in, in kind of like they're fatherly, you know, they're, they're helping you. They're, they're, they're coming down from on high with the worldly wisdom, as it were, is I never, I've never jived with that. I've always enjoyed the relationship of we're equals. I'm just as much in the trenches as you are. Right. I don't have, I'm not armed with some you know holy knowledge that everybody else doesn't have. I'm just here now and I've learned how to how to come to terms with that. So we're going to talk in terms of that. Because I never enjoyed that. Well, oh, God, God knows what's best for you. It's like that's great. What is that? What does that mean? Right? And what do you mean by God? Like and and it's just it's just this open-ended thing where if you question it, it falls apart. And so they expect you not to question it, just go, yeah, God's got my back and move on. And that's all they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I had, as you can imagine from that, just that one silly little post that I made just sitting right here going back and forth. It was about 25 seconds. And I didn't even think of it as mocking. I just, I have two character. Like I have my, when I make videos that go back and forth, like I always use that sort of like, cali hippie guy voice so i wasn't using it in a sense of like oh this person's dumb and this is me in my regular voice that's smart it kind of obviously came off as that but it was a simple like i have that have literally had that argument people are like well someone had to have created the universe it's like okay well who created god like why don't we just cut out god's always been why can't we just say the universe has always been like what's the what's the difference there and and everyone was like Yeah. Like I even had people who said they were agnostic or atheists, like, like, this isn't cool, bro. Like you're mocking police, like let people believe what they want to believe. And I'm like, I didn't even think this is mocking. I just, this is literally how a lot of the arguments go. And then they don't, there isn't a great response because they're just, there just isn't because it's hard to argue that. And a lot of the arguments that were coming up were no bro, God's outside space and time. And I'm like, how do you know that? Like, why are you settling on that? That's another made up answer. Like who said that? Who's like, what, how do you know that? Why can't the universe just be what is.
1: Well, because then, then I'm, I'm responsible, right? Like that's all it is. It, it's interesting. Cause you, when you really print, like, pin it down you're like okay okay fine let's say there's a god and god created everything out of itself because god is everything so we're all god and immediately the argument just fizzles because that point is what we don't want to see we want that disconnect we want that division no 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 I, i can't be god in action i can't be the universe in action because then you know who's taking care of me Right. I can't be responsible for all for my life because, you know, God's God has a plan. So all that falls apart. It's just the division. They they just don't want to let it go. And when you really bring them down far enough to it. And I I know because I was going through the comment thread on your video, having a great time. um, (laughs) And uh, eventually it just it just falls apart to them disappearing. They just disappear because they have nothing left. Like. This is why I love the argument that Jesus never claimed to be the only son of God. Because most Christians don't know that. They don't. They don't. They'll they'll immediately toss out John 3.16. Immediately. John 3.16. It's like, and and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Fine. Jesus isn't talking at John 3.16. The quote ends at 3.15. Why would Jesus suddenly start going... And God so loved the world that he gave me like it's so out of character to everything else that he's saying in that chapter. But the quote ends at 315. Jesus never claimed to be the only son of God. He said, our father said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said everything that contradicts the idea that He's the only child of God. But he never said he was the only child of God. They even accused him of it when he was uh, being crucified. And even then he's like, no, I'm the son of man. Yeah, that was it. But Christians don't look at it because it, it contradicts the entire goddamn story. And that's why I always say, the only parts of the of the New Testament that don't contradict Jesus are the parts where Jesus is speaking. Everything else is interpretation by other people who didn't understand the point. So most Christians don't follow Jesus. They follow the people who didn't understand Jesus. And that brings me no end of laughter. Yeah,
0: that's... Oh, it's, it's wild. Yeah. When it comes to that idea of God is, you know, the idea that God is everything and everywhere, like omnipotent and omniscient, all knowing, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's always taught that. And yet, you know, it gets to, oh, God is everything and everywhere. Then that means we're all God. Like there isn't a disconnect and there's like, nah, nope, uh uh-uh, nope disconnect not us but he's everything and everywhere well yeah but like like sort of he's like in us but he's not us and it's like
1: what you're that doesn't make any sense like what are you talking (laughs) i really don't want to look at it though so no (laughs) that's that's all it is the mental gymnastics they're amazing They're they're, they're really fun to watch because you can walk people in circles over and over and over again, always coming back to the same point, which is unarguable. Like you're just perceiving a division because you want to. And eventually they'll just stop talking to you. They'll just disappear. Then there's nothing you can do about it because they don't want to see. But I like walking them up to that cliff. I like walking them right up to that point where it's like, just so we're both clear. The moment you run away, which is going to happen anytime now, is because you don't believe. See, that's the point. The only reason you don't want to question is because you doubt. That's it. And you know you doubt. So you don't want to look too deeply into it because then all your doubts are going to come up. So instead, you're going to tell me that I'm wrong. You're going to tell me that I don't see. I'm not clear about God. I'm the one limiting God. Despite the fact that you're not listening to any of my arguments, despite the fact that you're not listening to any of the points that I'm making, because it is the easiest way to get out of the insight that would otherwise happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why, like in that, in the video that I made with the back and forth, like there were so many people just like, this isn't cool, man. Like you're mocking, they, they kind of go at that and like, like get it my character for the way that I created the video, which I didn't think was that absurd. I thought it was a pretty standard video, but do you think that they do that because they don't want to come to terms with what I'm actually saying, which is questioning everything about their very unstable belief system?
1: Absolutely. Well, that's what it is. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting because it's like the old joke, you know, sometimes an inferiority complex is the result of you actually being inferior. So, so it's like, you know, sometimes you're, you're doubtful because you really are doubtful. That, that's the point. Sometimes you're uncomfortable because you don't. And, and it's like, I'd rather just put it on you. I'd rather put it on you. And then they, they do that all the time because the alternative is again, talking to you. And since you're willing to talk, that's a threat too, right? Christians would prefer to be persecuted, which is why they, they enjoy saying they're the most persecuted religion on the planet, right? Like they, they enjoy that idea of, of being held down know and and oppressed and it's like i think you need to get familiar with your history because it's you who have been doing most of the oppressing but by playing victim there's a lot of juice that goes with that they get to play the martyr there's actually this asshole on tiktok i run across his live feed all the time he walks around his city carrying a life-size crucifix think about that he just walks around carrying a crucifix on his shoulder like he's jesus right it's like really really like how self-important Are you exactly how little of of this is about God? And this is really just about you and your piety and all of this crap. And, And it's it's so very interesting to watch because Jesus never made a show. Dude just walked around talking to people. Why would he make a show? Right. Unless it was about him. And that that's why I always find Christians funny. It's like, you know, oh, you got to follow Jesus's footsteps. It's like, well, Jesus wasn't following anybody else's footsteps. So there's a good place to start. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that is a great argument. Yeah, because that's literally what he did. He he wasn't following anyone. And yet somehow all of a sudden, because, yeah, I guess when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, they thought he's talking about himself.
1: And, and admittedly, like, yeah. I, and I think he should have probably saw that coming. And I'm going to make a point of this on TikTok at some point, just because it's, it's fun to me to say, say things that upset people. But Jesus got it wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't let it go. He didn't let the, the whole idea of me go. He should have been out there telling everybody else that they were the, the, the truth, the light, and the, the life and the way. Like, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, if you understand your audience... <laughs> you're going to get lynched. You're going to get you know, strung up and nailed to a cross because people don't like feeling less. They will tear you down just to prove that you can't be who you are. There's, a, there's this great book about Jesus. Actually, it's, it's a fiction. Um, it's called Lamb. And it's written about the story of Jesus from childhood onward through the perspective of his best friend, Biff. And the story is hilarious. It's great because it takes on Jesus being a kid, questioning his religion, getting to about 12 years old, going, this doesn't make sense to me. And then going on a journey with his best friend, Biff, up into India and up towards Tibet, sampling psychedelics, learning about different religions, things like this. Great story. It's so good. And then coming back in that whole story and then what what he did from there. But the end of the story, I'm not going to spoil it or anything. The argument was very much like, why did you? betray Jesus it's like because somebody like that can't can't walk around showing us all what we're not being right like we, we just we can't abide by that existing in the world showing us what we can possibly be because we don't want to admit that we can be it mm-hmm. and I thought that, that point was great because it, it's true it's kind of like what I, I was saying about the guy who got mad at me for laughing all the time right and it's like why would that anger you aside from the fact that you have problems laughing
0: yeah, exactly. Everything is a reflection of oneself and, and what you do or don't want to see. But yeah, I think, I think you mentioned, uh, lamb, I think maybe it was our first podcast episode. I still, yeah, I got to get to that one, but it it's sounds good. pretty good. Yeah. I,
1: I really enjoyed it. There's, there's one part, well, I'll, I'll let you read it. it. It's just a good book. <laughs> it's well-written and, and you really get attached to the characters and, and, um, and again, I mean, it's just as valid as the Bible at the end of the day. I mean, that's that's the whole point. There was another, um, there was this channeler, God, I think it was about 15 years ago, um, who decided to channel Jesus, or at least what she assumed was Jesus. And so she wrote these letters from Jesus, basically letters in the persona of being the Christ consciousness as, as she saw it. They were really interesting. I, I actually thought, I was like, Wow. There's some good insight here. Like, yeah, it's still the story of Jesus and blah, 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 but the insights were solid. And, and I think that's the point is that the story is irrelevant, right? Like, the story is just a story. You can get things out of it you can, or, or not. But when you start holding on to the story and saying, this is the truth, that falls flat on its face every time because a story is never the truth. Like, not even the simplest story of yesterday was Halloween my daughter went out trick-or-treating and came home. Like that's a really simple story that has infinite facets and infinite things that happened during the entirety of that happening that the story doesn't encompass that the, the story only gives a superficial face to, right? So the story is not what it is. The story is not what happened, right? So all we can do is glean the insights from the story, which is what the Gnostics originally did with, with the old testaments before they were written down, right? It was just oral stories about Judas, about Thomas, about John, about all these apostles and Jesus, they were just they were just stories, and then they would talk about what they learned from it, and then pass the mic off to the next person in the room because there was no priest mm-hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah uh where's that someone yeah, it does <laughs> with someone like a channeler like that, I'm curious like how do they think that they're actually channeling Jesus or do you think like, do you think it's just made up or do you think, they, I think, it's, a think it's coming from
1: somewhere? I think okay. it's so a like weird.
0: Like, where do you think it comes from? Then? Do
1: you think there was a Jesus? And I'm not saying the physical man. I, I'm saying taking Jesus's point that everything that Jesus was saying, do you think there was a Jesus to channel?
0: <laughs> uh n- like he, he was know. negating his
1: entire character. Everything he was saying was I'm not I'm not this physical thing that you think I am. I'm not the physical thing that I think I am. So what are we yeah. channeling if not just awareness without us identifying? Yeah. Right, so we're not really channeling, so much as just accessing the same thing that we all have access to. But just like anything else That's going to be limited on our capacity to deal with that unity, to deal with that lack of division. And most people will never, ever think, think that way. Like you will have people who channel Jesus before they will say, I am Jesus. Mm. Right. And it's again, you see, you can feel the ego like, oh, don't want to say that. Right. But that's, that's closer to the truth. That's by far closer to the truth. But it's, it's, it's it's the same thing as saying, I am God. The ego immediately goes, oh, oh, he's putting himself up here. He's above everybody. He's God, right? It's like, that's not what God means. Like, that's just your assumption of God. And the same is true for Jesus. Everything that people think about Jesus is an assumption. It's all based on the story or based on their perception of themselves or based on their perception of what life is. So that's what they get out of it when they read the story. Whereas I read the story and he says, you know, only through me can you find my father. That makes perfect sense. Only through yourself can you find your awareness without limitation. That's all he meant by father. He was just trying to describe the division. That was it. Yeah,
0: I know. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer that he used words like father and things like that. And I know he was just what he was like, kind of using the terminology that he could at the time to, to reach the people that he was speaking with, but it's just been taken. So <laughs> literally like he yeah. is a son and God is his, is his daddy. And like, it's, ah. and, but people still like, I'll say, Oh, so do you think God is an old white man with a white beard sitting up in the sky? And they're like, well, no, but you know, something had to create the universe. There had to be a creator. And it's like, then why don't you use that same logic to the creator? Like, who created the creator? And it's like, it, it goes down this rabbit hole and people would say that too. And he's, you know, on the back and forth. or so like, it goes down this rabbit hole that we're never going to get to. So like, why even, why even try? Just like, just stop. It's like, stop no question. Th- there actually
1: is a definitive end to that rabbit hole. You, you're the end of the rabbit hole. It's like, well, who created the creator? Well, you did. Think about it. You're doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> holy shit yeah yeah
1: right wow. and that's it like somebody asked me the other day there is uh, the comment was i i can't i can't not believe in god like i just can't no matter how much i try i cannot stop believing in god and i wrote well you do it every time you're not thinking about it
0: yeah seriously
1: it's an action Belief Uh in God is an action. Like you don't have to take that action. You Mm -hmm. don't have to take the action. That's it. It's not something that you must do, but believers are so invested in belief that even the idea that you don't believe has to be a belief. It has to be because that's all the universe is, is belief. That that's, that is it. It's no, no, there's nothing but what I believe. And the idea, well, you know, what you believe is irrelevant to what is, it's not comfortable. I actually had somebody respond to me on, on um, Instagram yesterday to, to one of my posts saying, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying my belief isn't real, but I'm believing what's real. It's like, you're not. You're believing what you want to be real. You're believing what you fear to be real. You're believing what you perceive to be real. All of that's true. That's not necessarily what's real. It's just not, it's just what dictates your experience. But no, because the alternative is well, then I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Nobody wants to think so,
0: about that. Yeah, because because what is is it it's not it's outside of the realm of beliefs, right? Always like always is, always will be. So the universe is like what is is the antithesis of belief. So it's like it can't be that the universe is all beliefs it's like the only thing that the universe is is outside of belief it's that which is outside of beliefs beliefs and the universe are like would you say they're mutually exclusive like what is and what is believed what we want
1: to be what is and what we want to be or what is and what what we can understand or interpret their being at most right but it's this idea that the description is the described right my interpretation is what i'm interpreting because the alternative is is uncomfortable. But the alternative is something that we know and we realize all the time when we make assumptions and we realize those assumptions aren't correct, right? Like we immediately have to question the assumptions. But if you walked around making assumptions and then every time something proved you wrong, going, "Nope, nope, that's not correct, you would never learn a single thing, right? So it's funny that we can learn from our assumptions in little things like say schooling or our job or our relationships. But when it comes to something that is the crux of our existence which is the crux of our fear we don't want to question that shit at all right despite the fact that it's in letting go of the belief that you let go of all that fear right yeah because yeah. the reality is you're here now that that is the reality the reality that we all want to dodge is that i am here now my interpretation of all of that aside my opinion of all of that aside That is all that's true from my experience. And if I can't come to terms with that, that's my problem. And and that is where religion comes from. That's where a great many of our problems come from is we've just never been told. And you just kind of kind of come to terms with the reality, which is that you're here now and you don't know anything else but that. What do you want to do?
0: So why do you think so many people don't want to accept that? here now because they're uncomfortable about you know f- the future or, or what is like that to me here now seems like the greatest thing greatest realization i've ever come across but it didn't you know? always
1: right like yeah. when you when your reality when your experience was your thoughts about yourself the last place you wanted to be was here now stuck with that person Okay. That's it. Yeah. Right. It, it's like, yeah. if, if I'm not avoiding here, and now I have to deal with all this shit I'm holding on to, and, and so we think about the future. We think about the past. We think about other people. We get distracted. We, we do all that. Whereas we don't realize the only reason here and now is so uncomfortable is because we're bringing an asshole with us into it. Right. We're bringing this fictitious thing into the here and now, and then creating this, this experience of here and now based on it. Whereas we can just leave that fiction aside and then we find ourselves in in very much a blank slate. You know, it's um, often when I was dealing with anxiety, I would I would go home, I'd sit in my living room, I'd feel the anxiety, and I'd, I'd just look around at the walls and go, right, the only thing that's real right now is the room that I'm in. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is just in my head. So I'm going to focus on the room I'm in because this is what's what's real and that helped me get over my anxiety anxiety quite a quite a lot because it's all in our head like the majority of the stuff we're afraid of are things that we think we should be afraid of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it helps me every day just reminding myself of what is here and now and like focusing on my senses what I can see and hear and Whatnot is is yeah extremely beneficial. Um, something else, I don't know if we've ever talked about like the your sort of flip of the switch moment like twenty years ago. Like what like was that a specific thing or was it sort of a progressive? I don't know, which is really surprising to me that we haven't like discussed this. I don't know if I've heard before?
1: Uh, So for me, it it kind of went in in, um, small stages in in between wanting to kill myself. Uh, So I I was depressed and suicidal for a long time, a long time. Like I, I remember years of just waking up every morning and wishing that I hadn't, walking to the bus to get to work, thinking about jumping off a bridge, thinking about jumping in front of traffic or in front of the subway. Like It was just, it was constant all day, every day. I was just looking for opportunities to kill myself and trying desperately to avoid wanting to. Um, and so couldn't escape it for years. Finally, just sold all my shit, jumped in a, jumped on a bus and went from province to province in Canada, just trying to find some way to deal with who I was. And and that didn't help at all. Um, ended up traveling around, coming back to the city that I had left, still depressed. Um,
0: how how old were you?
1: Uh, at this point I would probably have been 19, 20. And, um, and then one night I was, <laughs> I remember I was sitting down, I had, uh, I had sampled some ecstasy with, some, with a friend of mine and uh, I was, we were just sitting in my basement chilling and I was, I was kind of all pissed off and I had this little notebook. And so I just started writing and journaling, which I did to myself all the time, but there was actual enthusiasm and more than a little anger behind it this time, because I was in a state where I could see myself clearly. I could see how much damage I was doing to myself. And, and so I wrote all this book and then by the end of it, it got like really angry by the end of the book and I chucked it out, but it just, I suddenly came to terms with exactly how toxic my, my narrative or my story my life story really was. It didn't dawn on me. I could stop telling myself that story. It just dawned on me that it, it was a shitty story and that I had a lot of reasons to be depressed. And then I did in fact self uh, admit myself to the psych ward of a hospital. And then, you know, I went through the whole suicide thing and, and, and whatnot and I didn't die. And what I recognized was that I didn't really want to die because although my life had been shit, there had to be something I could do with all of those lessons. Like there had to be some point to going through all of that crap. There had to be something that I could do with today based on everything I had been through, but I didn't know what it was and I was still really unhappy. And and so about six months passed and uh, I was, my only support was my cat, Cosmo best cat in the world man that cat was with me for like 18 years I swear to god he saved my life more than anything else and uh then i ended up running across an old friend one day just happenstance i was on the bus heading home from work so i'm standing on the bu- on the street corner i got off the bus i'm like oh my god i haven't seen you in forever started talking he just broke up with his girlfriend needed a roommate i was depressed like, all right let's move in together so we did that and we were sitting there one night and I, I had sp- started spiraling again. I was pretty sure I was going to kill myself this time. There was nothing left. I, I, no matter how much I wanted to make the most of my life, I just couldn't let go of my story. I just didn't see how I could. And then uh, he's like, well, you never really talk about life anymore. And I'm like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And he's like, well, I care. And it hit me that I, I didn't care. That was the thing It's like I was talking for somebody else's reason, like I wanted to make sense to other people. And, and it dawned on me, like, why do I care if nobody else cares? Why isn't it enough that I care? Why isn't it enough that I give a shit? And, and so that was it. That was it. That, that was the day that changed my life because I recognized that's the one thing I had been missing the whole time. I wasn't living for me. I was living for everybody else. I was living for my place in the world. I was living for how other people saw me, how they thought about me, how I fit into their relationships. And upon realizing I wasn't living for myself, I realized that's what most people aren't doing. And the whole world just kind of opened up and I started seeing things differently. And and the next morning, I remember staring out my window and, and recently in this place that I was living, we had had a misunderstanding with a neighbor who was a crackhead. And so... He owed people money and those people came to my house by mistake and started breaking all my windows. And so we're in the middle of the winter with these garbage bags over the windows right? and it's cold as hell. And I'm grinning like an idiot staring outside at the snow because it dawned on me that I'm never going to see my life in the same way again. And I never did. That was it. And then, and ever since then, it always comes back to, I'm the center of my universe. I'm the center of my existence. It's me. It has to be me. If I'm not living for me, then I'm dancing to a game that I'm assuming is playing, is being played. And it's, I fooled myself too many times to care. That changed everything for me, but it was that or death. Like I was circling the drain for years. I, I couldn't, it was either the miraculous was going to happen or I wasn't going to make it much longer. So now that you've made it so far into the podcast, you likely have either some questions or something that you'd like to share with us. If you haven't already joined us on one of our free Wednesday groups, I encourage you to join us on our live call-in show, which we do every second Tuesday on twitch.tv slash dualistic unity.
0: Every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And feel free to hop in because we love to chat with anyone, especially anyone who's checked out podcasts. You know, sometimes we get people who haven't checked out the podcast and, those conversations can be a lot of fun, so it's fun to tune into, but it's also fun to be involved with because they're podcast episodes. It is out there. You can share whatever you would like about whatever's going on in your life or whatever you want to put out into the ether.
1: And even if you don't want to call in, you can participate from the comments section. So we'll see you there soon.
0: Yeah. Wow. So so you think it came back to the the real, like the the crux of the sort of realization was that you were not living for yourself. Like you were living for my
1: story. What? Yeah. I was living for my story. It wasn't just, I didn't just make friends. I made friends based on who I was and my history and my ability. Like it was all this idea of who I was. I didn't just meet people. I met people who were impressed with me or weren't impressed with me. might like me next time. Like there was always this, there's something more than just here and now. There's something more that I have to attain. There's something more in terms of other people's perception of me. And then finally, it just came down to, no, it has to be this moment. This moment has to be everything for me. If I'm not happy with this moment, that is my problem. That's my problem. And when you look at the world that way, your priorities change, right? Like, yeah, you don't want people to be upset with you, sure, because you don't want to be the kind of person that upsets people. It's not because of the impact on them. It's because of the kind of person you're choosing to be and, and, and the consequences that come from that choice. And that comes from accountability, which means that you have to be accountable. You have to be responsible for your present moment. Everything else changed from there, because as soon as I realized the present moment is what I have... I realized my idea of myself doesn't fit in that present moment. I have to just be in it and be it. And everything became easier after that. But And and I wanted to say this last time because it's true. The point of the journey, or or rather the hardest part of of my cautionary tale, if you want to call it that, is that having the insight is one thing, as you've noticed. These are great insights. They're very exciting. As you get older, as you go through the months and the years and the different experiences and the relationships and the conversations, you have to stay on it. You have to keep questioning yourself. You can't just fall back into the old habit, even though it's always tempting and everybody wants you to. The fact is, is that the real work is remembering you're not who you think you are. The real work is is keeping in mind that the present is what's real, that what's in your mind is not. And... Often though people have that insight young, usually as a result of psychedelics, um, they, they lose it in, in the, in the push, they, they lose it in the shit that is reality. Like they go to work, they get a job, they get a ma- they get married, they have a bad relationship, something, and it all just kind of falls apart because at that point you start going, I just want to feel comfortable again. I just want to feel certain again. Right. So it, it really is, it has to be a practice. Like if you're going to be in a relationship in this mindset, you almost can't be in a relationship in this mindset. You have to be free in yourself and the other person does as well. And that's, that's, that's difficult to find if you're impatient and needy.
0: So you you think it's a lot more difficult in this, like living life without this or less of a perception of yourself and your story and an idea of who you are? You think it's (laughs)
1: <laughs> no my life is way easier now oh my god okay, yeah oh my god yeah. is it way easier <laughs> and, and and while it's true you always have to be on the ball you always have to be on the ball like you just can't slip you, you just have to be aware that's all that that means is just be prepared to admit you might be wrong or that you might be getting caught up in something that's really all it is right and and, and that in itself you know is a practice we just practice that we, we practice where we get distracted and where we don't um but what came before that, the weight, the weight of the narrative, the weight of my story of me and the world and the history and the future and all of this stuff—that was so much harder. That was so much harder. Like the expression that "ignorance is bliss" is said by the ignorant, <laughs> right? because it's really not. In fact, is I would rather have eyes wide open than to have them closed, because at least seeing what is i can deal with with my opinion of what is right but up until then i was just i was struggling with an illusion that i was perpetuating so no matter how hard i struggled against it and it's kind of like the ego right like when people struggle against their ego they don't realize you are your ego so every every amount of struggle you put against it you're giving it that energy like you're creating your own enemy right that that's the whole thing that's why i was saying last week when we were talking to eric be careful how often you say it's really hard to stop judging. It's not, it's not. We just want to say it is because that's more ego.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the story you keep telling yourself kind of comes to fruition. And that's if you believe that to be what is, but I think, yeah, the idea of like living through the perception of yourself, I mean, that's kind of how it went for me, I think with less, probably less of a, of a timeline leading up to it necessarily, but it was still more or less a similar story of, I had this perception of myself and things, you know, thought patterns that I was struggling with. And it was only a week, but it felt like a real, you know, seven days straight of waking up and, and having the same like pattern of thoughts kind of run through, Your head, and then and then finally coming to to the realization that oh, like this is all having to do with ideas in my head about my past and things that happened. And what if you know? What if none of that is real, and and only what is real is is here and now. And, And so I was like, oh shit. Well, maybe I don't have a past in that sense. Then if I don't have a past, then who is who is Andrew besides? this made up story of things that have happened to this grouping of cells that we call Andrew in the past. It is nothing. So if I am aware of here and now, then maybe I'm not just Andrew and that's when it hit me. And it was like, yeah, I'll never forget that
1: moment. Glorious (laughs) (laughs) freedoms.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because i thought i was I, yeah i felt like not, i was high for a week after yeah
1: that. that's what it is well because again being high and, and relaxing is synonymous right like when you're high you're mm-hmm. just in an advanced state of relaxation and so the more you relax the higher you feel which is why these conversations are so much fun as uh, eric noticed last week by the end of the conversation you could tell like, he was having a great time right and it's because yeah. these conversations help remove the weight or rather they help remind us that we can take the weight off Right. Mm -hmm. And that's all we need. If we had more conversations like this, you would find, you know, communicating with people to be a lot easier and and a lot more enjoyable. But most of the conversations we have are very much us trying to maintain control over our self-image, right. Or control over the self-image that are the image that other people have of us. And so as long as we play that game, it's very difficult to us to just relax into the present and to model on that. You can relax into the present, right. Because that's all this is about. Like when you're talking to somebody and you don't need anything from them, They just open up, that's it, because everybody wants to, everybody wants to be free, right? Sometimes we're just afraid to be free. And I think that's probably the saddest part about religion is that they're afraid to let God in. They're afraid to let themselves be one with the universe because they think that they will be judged for everything they did up until now. And that's, that's sad. Especially considering they're following somebody who said, God forgives you, no worries, just relax, right? Like, God's forgiveness is eternal. And then we superimpose this idea well, unless you break the 10 commandments, and then you're going to hell.
0: Yeah, you're burning, burning in hell forever. <laughs> but yeah, so with with an idea like that, like something like, you know, shame or something, do you think shame is always something that you should like, shouldn't feel like, do you think shame, I don't know how to word this, like shame is ever necessary?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, sense. shame is when we're over-invested in our idea of ourselves, right? Shame is pretty much down at the bottom end of, of, of our over-investment in our idea of ourself. It goes towards like apathy um, because now all we see is is who we think we are and it's all negative. It's, it's mm-hmm. all just judgment and, and despair, and because we think we're it, it becomes our reality. And I, and I know I, I lived in shame for a very long time, shame and guilt and, 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 and self-hatred and loathing, um, and it was all because I didn't like who I thought I was. I didn't realize that it was who I thought I was I didn't like, not who I was, it was who I thought I was, I didn't like, right? Like I didn't get that there were, there were two things happening there. Like I didn't, I didn't understand there's me and then there's what I think of me. We don't get, it's just like the belief argument, right? Like there's a difference between what is and what I think is, right? And, and, and that's, that's what I didn't understand. All I could see was what I thought I was. And the idea that what I thought I was was inaccurate was something my ego couldn't handle because I was even less control, right? Like that's the thing is that there's, there's almost um, a preference to hating myself rather than not knowing who I am. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th.
0: And it's going to be a blast.
1: There's no agenda.
0: There's no thing that you got to, Try to be or become just time to express yourself, time to be yourself, time to find out. What is it to be myself? Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into? With a
1: bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to
0: play as you do it.
1: We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BigBear150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California mini retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount. Very much looking forward to seeing you there. Oh, you're on mute. Oh, there you. Oh, you're back.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah. Say that last one. Hating yourself as opposed to not knowing
1: who I am. Who you are. I I would prefer to know who I am, even if I hate that thing, than to feel uncertain. Mm -hmm. And that's what really dawned on me was that I was holding on to my misery because I was afraid of more misery. And, and it didn't make any yeah. sense. Like, and, and that was the breaking point for me. It's like, I have nowhere else to go. Like, there's nowhere else for me to take this train except off a cliff. So I'm just going to stop playing. I'm done yeah. as of right now. I'm not what I think I am. Good to go. Let's find out what I am. A- and ever, ever since then, that's what life is. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what's next. Let's, let's see what's going to unfold here. Let's jump into this situation and see what I do because I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't tell myself one way or another anymore. I just throw in and see what happens. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that comes down to a level of like the idea that you'd rather be uncertain or you'd rather hate your, the idea of yourself, but know who you are than be uncertain? Do you think that comes down to just like ignorance is bliss and like a comfortability with The unknown, because I feel like a lot of people kind of fall into that.
1: It's the devil we
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I I can't tell you, like, and I know from when I was in that state of mind that when you're lost in in your identity, when you're lost in the narrative and and the self-loathing, and somebody comes up to you and they say something like, you know, this isn't what it appears to be. You don't have to carry all this. There's a way past this. They they just try and remind you it's gonna pass, anything like that. Depending how far in the pit you are, you will actually defend your suffering. You don't understand, you you're not in my situation. You you could never, you, you don't get what it's like. And, and you'll you'll put up these these barriers about how your pain is special, not realizing that what you're doing is saying, I don't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's because it's it's what I know. It's what I know. And I think that, you know, in in identifying with it, I'm somehow curing it or I'm somehow getting closer to a cure. It's like Alan Watts saying that, you know, no amount of worry has ever gotten anything done. And it's it's very it doesn't mean we stop worrying, does it? Like, we we keep doing it like it's gonna pay off. And it's just because we don't really look at at it closely enough to recognize it, which is why my life coaching business was called transcendence, right? Because when you're in apathy and despair and, and guilt and all that you can't resolve those things by looking at yourself. In my opinion, you can't go back into your childhood trauma. You can't go back into your old relationships because all you're going to do in doing that is continue to look at those experiences through the lens that you're holding on to, right? Through the idea of yourself that you're holding on to. And so all you're going to end up doing is spinning your wheels, coming up with more and more reasons to identify. Whereas with transcendence, it's recognizing that, none of those things defined you. None of those things were who you are. They're just things that you went through, things that you've learned from or have the capacity to learn from and change from, but they don't make you, you. It's the difference between recognizing that you are potentially anything versus you are the sum of your parts that you are the sum of all of your experiences, which is usually the common mentality.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that kind of reminds me of the one step process that we've, talked about in the past of just being that awareness here and now, like there is nothing outside of that. There is trying to go back into those stories and experiences is just kind of perpetuating this cycle of identification with that idea of yourself. Your idea of yourself is not you. And if you stay stuck on that and try to go back into those experiences and analyze them and figure out, you know, who you were then, what you can, do better now. It's like, you can, you can bypass all that essentially and be here now. And that will, cause it's almost like if you do that and go back into that identification, it's like, that's that exact process of going back is going to, it's what's going to cause you to do that moving forward. It's the same exact thing. So instead of, cause even if you you know learn from it, or whatever like if you keep going with that mentality of having something to learn from in that past identification there's just going to be new things to identify with Constantly. that keep coming up yep.
1: yeah absolutely which is why um somebody asked well don't you don't you look at your past and try and try and, and work out you know things that you've done and, and the answer is kind of like yes or no yes and no um, i don't deliberately Look to the past, trying to find any answers as to what I'm doing here and now, though in recognizing what I'm doing here and now and recognizing what perception I'm holding on to or not questioning or things like that, my brain comes up with memories that are relevant to that lesson. So I don't go digging for the memories. My brain provides them as necessary for the context of the lesson that I'm having. And I find that to be such a very different process than when I was younger and going to therapy where it's like, oh, let's look back at your childhood memories. And it's like, okay, now I'm just, it's like, I'm cherry picking. I'm digging for things, right? And it, rather than just letting them happen as a result of my brain processing information on its own. And so, yeah, I find that to be a very different way of processing your memories as opposed to deliberately. It's, it's more or less, you know, um, as a result of the process instead mm-hmm. of being the process itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had, I can't remember I brought this up in a past episode, but I, I was talking to a friend about the idea of, of the here and now being the only thing you ever need to be aware of essentially. And he was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't drink anymore because in the past I, you know, didn't like it the way it made me feel. And if I didn't remember my past, then I wouldn't, I would maybe drink here and there. And I didn't really have, I was like, yeah, it's kind of a good point. I don't know if I, if I have a great answer for like, maybe, yeah, I guess maybe there are times when the past is beneficial, but I, I, I tried to like sort of talk through it and I was like, Yeah. So it can be in a deliberate sense, but more so when it's, you're just ruminating on it mindlessly. It's like, that's a very mindful, like, like deliberate way of utilizing the past to dictate or benefit you in the present. However, if you're ruminating on it and almost like feeling shame about how you were back then, it's, it's not, so I guess it depends on the context you take it, but I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that we experience time. So we, we tend to um, adapt to our experience of time. Like we, we have context as a result, right? But the danger is in, in cherry picking a memory and going, okay, but it, this was my opinion of that memory then, therefore it will be my opinion of that memory forever. Um, and, and that's what I mean. Like a lot of people, when they quit drinking, they'll never touch a drink again. And it's because the alcohol is the problem. It's like the alcohol wasn't the problem. The, the, the alcohol was what you reached for in a state of mind that caused it to be a problem. So if you're in a different state of mind, that experience is going to change in the future, right? Like when I was younger, I would have called myself an alcoholic and I wouldn't have touched alcohol at all now i'll drink from time to time and i feel no desire to have a second drink and it's not because anything has changed about alcohol it's because my my mentality about alcohol has changed i don't think it can make me happy i don't think it does make me a a more relaxed person or releases my inhibitions it's just something i enjoy for the flavor so it, it it comes down to if i was to base my current opinions based on my previous opinions all the time i would never experience anything new but if I went through something before and it was a terrible experience, then yeah, I should probably keep that in mind the next time I go forward. But it's 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 one thing to assume similarity means the same, right? It's they're 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 similar, they're not identical, and then that's the thing about experiences, you know. Like I've picked up this this coffee cup a thousand times before, but never like I just did in the mentality I'm in right now. It's always it's always new, regardless of how how similar it might be.
0: Mm. Or I don't know if I ever thought of it like that, that what was, what was it? Similarity does not.
1: is not inside. Yeah. It's not identical. As, yeah. Right. Similarities yeah. are, are similarities, but you know, to be identical it has to be an exact match. And that's never the case. That's, that's never the case. Like <laughs> something's always different. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just yeah. you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's uh, that makes sense something else I know we've talked about this all right we got we got a little bit of time um, we talked last time about or two episodes ago about wanting to go into the whole astrology uh, I don't know like maybe even crystal realm of things sure. and I know that you have you know you said when you were going through hell you tried to you know latch on to anything and everything yes. to try and help you feel better basically would you yeah, with those things like astrology, crystals, I know they're still just believing in something outside of yourself, essentially, but do you think it's all, like, do you think it's all bullshit?
1: No, I mean, okay, so crystals, for example, crystals hold a resonance, like they vibrate. That, that's not really deniable. That's something that we know. Um whether crystals vibrate in a certain way that provide this feeling or this feeling or this feeling, that's all based on somebody else's interpretations. And, and, you know, I I will give them at least the the credibility in saying that I'm not going to discount it because I didn't do that research myself. And I haven't spent the time to actually like try and observe if these crystals have the effect that they do. Um, I've had crystals in my house and otherwise, and I'll, I'll be honest, it doesn't doesn't really change anything about my life. But, but then again, I, I specifically work at a mentality where the external doesn't matter to my life. Um, so again, crystals are interesting. Um, they do hold properties. I don't know what those properties are, um, but I know that they're never going to do the work for you. I, I know that at most they're going to be an accessory that might make you feel more comfortable in doing your own inner work, but I, I can't ever see a crystal helping you transcend a certain state of mind, except, you know, in the same way that a safety blanket might. Um, As for astrology, um, there's an old expression that astrology is the earliest form of idolatry, which I love. I love that expression, you know, false idol worship, basically looking outside yourself. But on the other hand, we're talking about giant Massive entities that are floating around in our solar system that all have gravity, that all have an electromagnetic pull, and, and they all rotate around each other. And we know scientifically that those 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 magnetic poles, the, those gravity, uh, those forces of gravity, actually do have a measurable impact on us here on Earth. Even uh, the uh, phenomenon of a supermoon, for example, where the moon is closer to Earth than it ever than it normally is changes our mentality it has an actual effect on our brains and on our physiology because of course we're 70% water right so if the moon does that then the planets which are way bigger are going to have some impact and and the original idea of astrology came came about through thousands of years of, of observation of trying to figure out what this is. So again, I give it some degree of credibility in the same way that I would want somebody to give me credibility if I spent a long time trying to research something that other people didn't necessarily see or understand. But that doesn't mean I take it as, you know, written in stone, this is what it is, especially considering that astrology as we as we practice it right now is outdated. Like we have moved significantly since the majority of our astrology was created several 1000s of years ago. And so like, I'm a cancer, I'm not, right? Because cancer is not in the same place that it used to be when that chart was originally created several thousand years ago. We're in a different place in space, right? So so it's very much the form has taken over what the function was, whereas the function at one point was something that was that was done on the fly. Like in India, I think it is, um, there is this, this place where you can go, and I've read about this, where couple thousand years ago somebody who was so a good so good at astrology basically did a chart for every single person who would ever find their way to that building so if you were to go there today you would find your chart that's pretty cool right like
0: Wait, I, would it would find my chart your like, chart specifically they... for you
1: because they knew you would go to that place that that's at least how the story goes so it makes you think was astrology something way deeper back then than it is now? And you can't say, well, no, because you have to remember that, you know, the Babylonians, for example, knew about all of the planets in our solar system and their 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 places and their sizes before there was ever a telescope that we know of. So we can't really say that that we know for sure astrology is bunk. but what i can say is that i know the majority of people who practice astrology are doing so from a mentality where it wouldn't matter what the astrology was they would believe it because they want to
0: mm. yeah that makes sense okay what uh with the, with the babylonians how the hell do you think they knew that stuff
1: well see this is the thing it's, it's kind of like the ancient egyptians right it's they didn't have the internet and stuff so they all they had was time and and a really clear night sky and and generations like this is what priesthood priesthoods were often um created around was you know astrology and what was happening in, in the sky and stuff like that like this is some of our earliest science so considering how long long ago babylon was and and how old Babylon was. And considering that most of our civilization comes from Babylon in terms of like writing and mathematics and agriculture and all that other stuff, I think that they were just really smart. But judging by their own tablets, they would disagree with me because the the Babylonians claimed that they were actually taught by extraterrestrials. So, Mm.
0: And then (laughs) just tying into that, so like what about... (laughs) not tying into that but like with the ancient egyptians like with the the pyramids and the uh geographical location of that i don't i haven't done a ton of research into that but i know it's like there's definitely some seemingly uh i don't know what the word like importance or or for sure like the location of it is very not just the location
1: yeah like all of the measurements inside the Great Pyramid at Giza, not not just the inside, but the outside. So it includes the Queen's Chamber and the King's Chamber and and the the length of the hallways, all of it, all of them are direct ratios to measurements of this planet. Right, they're direct ratios to like the circumference of our planet or the distance from our moon, like they're all spot on ratios to measurements that that are important to us as a species on this planet. And that's amazing considering we still don't know how that got there.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think it could have been,
1: I don't know. Do you think aliens could have
0: came and built them or
1: <laughs> it's entirely possible? I mean, it's not like they're the only culture that, that um, wrote about or, or envisioned beings coming from the sky. I mean, Mayans did as well. Um, and, and so did the Vedas, but the, or you have the Nazca lines in South America. Um, I think it's interesting because on the one hand, I'm not going to discount that there could be extraterrestrial life because obviously the universe is huge. Um, but on the other hand, I'm also not going to discount the fact that we have been homo sapiens for about a quarter million years, which means we've had this brain and this capacity for logic and reason for about a quarter million years. We have 10,000 years of written history. Um, that's a big, big gap. Um, so yeah, I think that we've invented technologies many times and lost them in the crush of our own stupidity. I think that we've we've invented you know cities and, and other things many times and then you know that's kind of just been lost to the wayside because it wouldn't take very long. I mean even even right now, if we were to have a cataclysmic event like a, a, an extinction level event on this planet that didn't kill everybody but left humans behind, it wouldn't take long for most of our stuff to overgrow. Within a thousand years, we wouldn't have any any remnants of this civilization left to look back at we'd have nothing but myth and legend right and that's that's a thousand years we've been around for quarter million or so or so if not more there's a lot of things we've forgotten
0: yeah so you think there could have been societies as advanced as we are now that have come and gone
1: yeah i i don't see why not i think it's totally completely possible it's funny there was um a guy named Michael Tassarian. I I ran across a a workshop he was doing back in, I think 2006, 2007, but what he had done was basically taken aerial maps or aerial photographs of um, these craters all over the world, and then compared the crater holes to um, explosions like um, nuclear nuclear explosion craters, because they're different, they look different, right? And so he had an expert compare these, these meteor craters, these really old meteor craters with these, these explosion craters. And what he discovered was that quite a few of them don't resemble meteor craters at all. Quite a few of them resemble craters that would be made by nuclear blasts or other types of bombs. And so it makes you wonder, have we been here before? Right, like there, there are things yeah. that we don't understand. There's a mountain in China that's got these like three or four giant metal pipes sticking out of it and they're thousands of years old. It's like, those are obviously the, like, that's not natural right there's a, there's an airstrip at the top of a mountain range in south america or what looks like an airstrip like why would you have that there <laughs> right like so there are so many things even like like the Nazca lines in in south america is the one that gets me the ones with i don't know if you've seen them basically they're they're giant pictures of animals that are cut into the into the countryside but you can only see them from 10,000 feet up wow
0: like, well- because they're just so big that you they're can't so big, you they You can't are.
1: make them out unless you're in a plane. And <sighs> these were invented thousands of years ago. For who?
0: Huh. Damn.
1: Right? That's,
0: yeah, I never, like, this is actually getting me interested in history because I had never been interested in history. Like, I love
1: history.
0: Yeah. I do so much that's... more than I
1: did in school because... There's so much,
0: yeah. So, so there isn't though. So, is it all kind of speculation outside of before ten thousand years ago? Oh, like way before just, then,
1: we lose track. Like four thousand years back, like everything starts getting really, really sketchy after. Um, well, after Jesus, really, because Catholic Church just decided the last two thousand years it's all that's important. Um, but, but aside from that, there, there's there is a lot of history that goes back through our, our, um, our empires. Like if you look at ancient Greek, uh, ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, um, you go back to Babylon, Samaria, things like that. That we have some scattered history of even in um, uh, Mesoamerican culture, uh, the Mayans, the Incas, the Toltecs, things like that. Um, but then when you start getting farther back than that, it's like the common uh, decision by our society is we just lived in caves. That was it, like, we're just looking for caves. And and it's like, okay, that makes sense because that far back, there wouldn't be a structure that would last. Like the fact that the pyramid, the Great Pyramid at Giza is where it is and is still standing is amazing, but it it doesn't look the way it used to, right? Like the the Great Pyramid at Giza used to have a cap on the top that that was made of like uh, quartz, I think. So it would shine for miles around like a sun you could actually hmm. see it there there's stories of how the pyramid used to look and that's just been you know uh, scavenged and, and and raided over time as, as with many of the other pyramids but just goes to show you like we assume things were always a certain way and and, and they weren't like uh look at the sphinx right you know the sphinx uh, its nose dropped off right nobody knew why or or rather everybody kind of speculated, oh, it's because of age and blah, blah. No, it's a bunch of soldiers being a bunch of assholes with some cannons. They just knocked the nose off in one day. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. So it's history is really interesting in the fact that it's so easy to get caught up in, in an assumption of what history is instead of realizing that that there are so many stories there are so many stories like we we just don't know we can take the superficial and we can go yeah that happened that's uh have you ever read um the iliad and the odyssey
0: uh i think it might have been an assignment way back in my yeah catholic middle school days but well that's loosely based
1: on history too yeah right so it just goes to show how our storytelling has changed over time i mean back in the day history was told by bards right musicians people who would tell it and tell it orally right and and now we have it written down so it makes sense that we don't have a great deal of our of of history beyond five to ten thousand years ago
0: yeah damn i'm about to go on a history tear i (laughs) think speaking my interest for sure yeah. I, oh, I love man. history
1: and it's something I, I tell my daughter all the time because it's a story, right? Yeah. It's a story. And as long as you don't get caught up in, in, in having to know all the details, it just adds to your life. It just adds mm-hmm. to things, you know, like the Easter Island heads. You're like, where did that come from? And, and just yeah. like any of those things, it, it's amazing. Stonehenge, right? Amazing. Uh, the idea of Atlantis, amazing. There's this pyramid off the coast of Japan that's underwater. You're like, what? Where did that come from? Just, just so much. And, and I mean, and it doesn't even end there. I mean, I'll give you an example. So where I live on Vancouver Island, um, the, there was a, a tribe north of here called the Comox tribe. And they were so advanced in their time period, and we're talking, you know, pre-colonialism, um, where they had these tiny little pegs all scattered out within this, this bay, right? Like all along the shoreline, going all the way out into the water, are these, these little pegs about a foot and a half from each other. And they're just standing up on the ground and nobody knew what they were for. White people looking at them going, well, this is weird, that's cool, whatever, right? And of course, we wiped out their tribe. So nobody was around to tell us Well, some other person from the tribe came and did some research and it turns out that those pegs, all of those hundreds and hundreds of pegs all laid out in neat rows going deeper and deeper into the water and bigger and bigger pegs were once used as an advanced fishing formula. Basically, they would take little slats of wood and put them in between the pegs to create canals where the fish would naturally come in with the tide, swim through the canals, get caught up in one area, and then they just close the door. So they could control how many fish they were catching. They could move the pegs around according to the tide. And it gave them enough to fish and to feed their entire village without ever overfishing, without ever going beyond their means, using nature as it was intended. So it's not like we don't have the ability. It's not like we don't have the, the capacity to gain the knowledge that would allow us to work with the world. It's just that we are impatient. Right. Rather than doing that and and catching the amount of fish that nature provides, we get boats to go out and fish as much as they can find for a certain amount, amount per pound. And then they bring those fish back, whether they're needed or not. And then some other person's job is to sell those fish because, of course, we just paid this much per pound. And now so it just gets stupid. It's not even about what's necessary so much as what drives the economy and pays the next person in this in this line that we don't need.
0: Yeah. Do you think, do you think with some of the historical stuff and, and, you know, some of the buildings and the ratios and everything, do you think psychedelic use had came into play there opening up their oh, yeah. capabilities? Okay. For sure. Yeah.
1: Psychedelics were, were a staple of the old world up until like a hundred years ago. I mean, you got to remember it, it, they, they used to have opium dens in London. A hundred years ago, like you could just go and do opium because it was it was okay to do so. I mean, like drugs didn't have the stigma that they have now. A hundred years ago, they were they were pretty much everywhere all the time. I mean, you can find, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen quotes by by the American founding fathers telling telling you to, to grow hemp, just grow hemp, lots of it. Indian hemp seed, grow it. It, it, Ben Franklin, George Washington, they all said it, right? Because it was everywhere. Cannabis was everywhere, right? Hallucinogens too. I mean, you can't find a single culture that didn't at some point cherish hallucinogens as as a cornerstone to their culture. I mean, in Brazil, they have ayahuasca churches. So places you can go to trip just so it's safe. Right? Because that was a part of their culture. That was a shamanic, a shamanic part of their culture. And when the government tried to make it illegal, people rioted. They're like, "No, you can't take this away from us. This is this is part of who we are." And we didn't do that here in North America. We we just went, "What? Uh, marijuana? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> make that illegal, right?" And, and it's it, it's just a. Because our culture wasn't based on shamanism, our 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 Eurocentric culture here in North America wasn't in any way based on spirituality outside of, of Christianity, which I'm pretty certain the founding fathers recognized was toxic. That's why they wanted separation between church and, and state, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You would think. How is uh? What is? Have you done ayahuasca?
1: No, no. I I would yeah. like to, but I have done um, I've done a, um. I guess something similar. So uh, psilocybin mushrooms don't have quite the same effect because they get absorbed by the body far too easily. So you can actually change how your your body absorbs psilocybin mushrooms by um, using a a seed called Syrian rue. Uh, It's Actually, it's used for making red dyes in in the Middle East. But so if you take some of the seed and you grind it up and you pour it in some water and you mix it up and you drink it first, what it does is it creates an enzyme in your stomach, which changes how your stomach breaks down psilocybin mushrooms it actually makes it more potent and it lasts for longer so that I've done so I've done like a 20-hour mushroom trip that was about as intense as I could possibly imagine I've done peyote I've done a couple of, of other things as well but I've never managed to get my hand on the ayahuasca root
0: mm. yeah I've, I've heard I've been doing a lot of as so you can probably imagine a lot of <laughs> psychedelic <laughs> research and whatnot and just into yeah all the different kinds the last month or so but yeah ayahuasca sounded it sounds like it's kind of similar to dmt and its effects yes but maybe lasts longer
1: it lasts longer it lasts longer and 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 it's potent as shit as has been what what's been described to me. Um I'll admit the the length of the trip no longer appeals to me anymore just because I've spent so long in that state. Um, If you want a deep dive If you want to deep dive hard, I would recommend looking for Salvia divinorum.
0: Okay. That'll that'll be a five
1: minute trip that'll change your life.
0: What is is Salvia? Uh,
1: (laughs) We we talked about this previously. So, Salvia divinorum is a member of the mint family. It is not actually a drug. Um, you can usually find it at hemp, at hemp stores um, and they'll sell it as a natural oh, incense. I, okay. um, it comes in two, in two doses, uh, 10 times and 20 times, basically based on, on how close to the plant the leaf has been cut. Um, the 10 times strength is more than enough. The 20 times strength is woo, um, But basically just, just pack a bowl, a little bowl and, and, and make sure you're not standing. And, um, as soon as you exhale, bye, (laughs) that's pretty much it. And, and it'll feel like the most intense trip that you've had and it'll go on forever. And then you'll come back and it'll be three minutes have passed.
0: Oh, like, how does that happen where it feels like it's been that long?
1: And it's, there is no time. Three minutes. Time doesn't exist, right? like that's that's the thing so when we're in that advanced state all of a sudden 5 minutes lasts 100 years right like that's that's how it goes is that the closer to the present we become the longer it seems to last somebody was asking that uh, on somebody else's video like how do I, how do i stop time from going to it so quickly It's like stop keeping track of it You know, that's, that's why I don't wear a time shackle. I don't, I don't wear a watch. I actually forced myself to stop wearing a watch after I started waking up because I realized how much of my life was spent looking at the time.
0: Yeah. I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I found, uh, I feel like since maybe in the last few months, like things do, some days do feel a little slower. Certainly when I've taken mushrooms, like, you know, it'll be an hour has passed. And it was like, hold, like, that's it. Like it's only been, or it's only been 40 minutes. feels like three hours, but I found myself yesterday. Like I wasn't really doing much. I was writing some of my book, just like went on a couple of walks and, and I found myself sitting here and like, I checked the time and I caught myself and I was like, why did I check the time? Like, it doesn't matter what, like, when it starts to get dark out, I'll know that it's, you know, getting close to time to go to bed. It's bright out right now. Like, I have no, I don't need, there's nothing for me to do for the rest of the day that I need to do or like seemingly need to do or anywhere to be or meetings to go to. Like, I don't have anything until I get tired and want to go to bed. And I caught myself like checking, and it's so funny, like, that hit me yesterday. And it was the first time I kind of realized, like, I don't actually need to know what time it is right now i don't at all and it's made up anyway and like it's not helpful but it was just like some subconscious part of me wanted to know like you know what time just to know what time am i in the process yeah 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 it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm here <laughs>
1: you yeah. know what i wonder about that because i mean so we know time is relative Right, we know, we know that our experience of time is relative to our, our speed according to speed of light, right? So closer to the speed of light you get, the, the more your, your experience of time changes, right? So I find that really interesting because we're always talking about speed of light in terms of physicality, we're always talking about uh, physical speed, but we never talk about awareness, right? Because awareness obviously has a speed it obviously has some kind of, mo- of movement, right? Even if it's not in space and time. So I just wonder how our, our level, level of clarity or our, our um, lack of inhibiting our awareness changes our, our experience of time as well. Almost like once we remove the stopper, does all of a sudden time just suddenly happen always in the here and now? Like, is it always just, Jesus, this moment feels like forever, because that is the only difference between feeling eternal and feeling like a mortal is your perception of time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, that's, that's very much it. Like There is no time. The moment that we are in right now is the only moment that will ever be. Right? And we're watching yeah. it change. Right? That's all we're doing is witnessing us as the moment changing. But it's still the same goddamn moment. Which means that, you know, if you remove our idea of ourself as separate, if you remove our idea of ourself at all, then we are just the moment being aware of itself. And, and yeah. that is eternity. That's it, right? And so it's yeah. just the deeper you sink out of the narrative of yourself or time or space or the world or humanity, that's, the, that's how you get closer and closer to recognizing you've always been.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh man. Yeah, I fucking love this stuff. <laughs> just like talking about it. So like with the Salvia Divinorum though, like it's still so how can we then perceive like time doesn't exist, but then it's still feel like there's a feeling of time that just yeah. feels longer kind of right
1: yeah well it's not that it feels longer so much as it doesn't feel like it's wasting away like it doesn't feel like it's leaving like there's there's no lack of time it's not like time is passing it's just it it's just what it is right and that's the feeling we get the rest of the time is like life is time is passing like we're losing time right and it's like you can't you are time like you are the experience of time
0: yeah yeah Hmm. i will i'll have to wait so can i do you think I can get that in like, like any random
1: shop? Yeah, try try your hemp shops. I don't know how many you have uh, in New York, but it like, uh, shouldn't be too hard to find. A, I'm sure somebody's got to have it. Around.
0: How uh, how do they sell something like that?
1: Because it's not shop? a drug, right? There's nothing in it that's on the illicit drugs um, list. It's, uh, it's a member of the mint family. It just happens to be the only member of the mint family that has a compound called salvinorin A. And Salvinorin A immediately activates all of your brain's opiate receptors at the same time. So all of the receptors that are made to interact with all of the world's lovely opiates kick on all at the same time. And, and so it's it's the deepest and most amazing thing you're ever gonna have. Like you're just everything's gonna disappear.
0: <laughs> Is there anything I should be aware of if I like want to try this? This week, at some point, like, um,
1: start small. Yeah. Start small. Take your time. Right? Yeah. Don't don't do what I did because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> like I I decided yeah, like, I, yeah I decided to go straight <laughs> for the twenty times. I was like, all right, let's get the the strongest dose. And I had like this massive wow. bowl, and I just packed it, and and uh, yeah, and that <laughs> is gone. Um, but the place you go is very close to dreaming but you are lucid you are lucid and uh and when you come out of it you'll see what i mean you're, you're gonna want to talk about it after you do it because because it's uh it's crazy how quickly it reminds you that this is not what it looks like it's good like i my trip was uh well the one of them was incredible in that i started in my living room i was sitting in a chair and then i exhaled And then it started and my living room disappeared and I found myself back in medieval England staring at a torch that was being lit by somebody walking through the street lighting torches. And then I was somewhere else. I was in a village somewhere and then I was somewhere else on a ship and then I was somewhere else and I was a different person in a different race on a different planet like I just kept going from one scene to the other (laughs) always me but always in different forms and different in different realities and different experiences and then as that happened it's like my mind's eye kind of zoomed out so I could see all of these lives that I was experiencing at the same time so it looked like one giant movie reel that was twisting and turning because of course they're all connected over what we call time and space and so I could see all of creation moving. As as this giant what looked like um, an unlimited DNA strand, let's put it that way. And then, like a loud booming voice. You're not supposed to be here yet. And then I woke up. And I started coming I, I was back in my room right and my buddy who was sitting on the chair across from me had gone at the same time which i don't recommend if you if you go with a friend go separately uh, right but so i started trying to stand up out of my chair and every time i stood up by my chair i could i was watching my buddy being pulled back into the wall and he'd start screaming right like i was pulling myself out of being one with reality and it was pulling him back into it and, and so i just like settled I just relaxed and stayed there. I'm like, I don't want to, don't want to kill my buddy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so and then I started relaxing and all of a sudden the sound started making sense again. The room started looking like my room again. And I didn't know it was my room, but I knew it was a room. And so I started walking around. My buddy was still doing his thing. And I was saying this before. I started going to all the objects in my apartment, which I didn't recognize. I didn't recognize the apartment or any of the things that I owned because they weren't mine. And I started giving them a story like, oh, I I picked that up at a yard sale and uh, this was given to me by someone I work with. And I was just making it up to make myself feel more certain about my experience being back. And then after about five minutes, I realized that all the stories I was making up were actually my life. That's actually how I had gotten those cups. That's actually how I had gotten that, that thing. And, and at the time, it didn't dawn on me at all. So that just tripped me right out. Like, am I writing this in real time? What is happening? <laughs> it was it was a hell of an experience, man, for sure. Um, I, I went a few times after that. And um, yeah, it's all deeply symbolic. And as long as you don't panic, you'll be fine. But five minutes, five minutes and you're out.
0: Yeah. How, like, how do you think that it does that like uh, it's so it's intre- like how you can I guess it just comes back to the not identifying with this human form it it just I don't know it feels like it gets clearer and clearer with things like that so so it opens up all of the opiate receptors but like why do you think it takes you through like seemingly through time and space like that.
1: Well, because I mean, and, and I've often thought about this. I mean, we, we call them drugs, natural drugs. I mean, marijuana or psilocybin or, or peyote or any of those, but they're all just symbolic. I mean, mushrooms, especially, right? Like mushrooms literally grow out of what keeps this planet alive mycelium They grow in darkness and shit, right? And yet, despite all of that, regardless of their simplicity and their complexity underneath the ground, they represent a mentality. And everybody who eats psilocybin mushrooms will tell you the same thing. They talk to you. Not they talk to you, but necessarily as you end up in a state of mind that they are very much representative of. You almost feel like a mushroom, right? Like when you're on there, you almost feel like you've grown out of darkness and suddenly have something to show for it, right? So there is that in peyote and everything else in terms of psychedelics are the same. So because we are the awareness of reality, because there is no disconnect whatsoever, I I think in terms of, of organic drugs, we're only ever eating symbolism we're only ever using symbolism to allow ourselves to go into a state of mind that we always always have access to anyway but that we may have forgotten how to how to get to and so we have these symbols kind of like in a game right where it's like you have this icon you're like ha the fire flower <laughs> right like that, that gives yeah. me fireballs and that that's kind of what they are it's like oh i've forgotten how to get to that level here's this tool that's going to remind me where that is now is that necessary no because as i was mentioning before dreaming is far trippier than salvia will ever be yeah <laughs> far trippier like, and, and the more you practice dreaming the, the more the more so that's the case right because in dreams you can do the exact same thing you can go anywhere as anyone
0: yeah and it almost makes you wonder like what really is the difference between that and and this reality besides yeah. maybe being able to switch in and out of you know, forms and, and whatnot. But
1: which I, enjoy, that, I enjoy being yeah. locked as, as Ray. I enjoy being in this body and the consistency that goes with this story, right? Because yeah. in dreams, there's no consistency. So, as much as you could have the experience yeah. of flying as a dragon, you're not going to have the experience of waking up the next morning and, and being hungry as that dragon, which might be educational. It might be actually quite fun, right? <laughs> so, whereas in this, I get to be 12 year old Ray. And then twenty-year-old Ray, forty-year-old Ray, right, and then go through all of these different variations of Ray. I really enjoy the consistency. What's nice is that I actually get breaks in between to go and experience other shit when I'm dreaming or, or otherwise using symbolisms. That's right? yeah. why imagination yeah. is so much fun. This is why I love imagination. Imagination is one of our our biggest tools that that we just don't take seriously enough. Like a good author sees the world that they're writing about. Right, like they experience it as they're writing. That's amazing, and then and you can tell when you're reading it because you can see it. Like when I was reading Lord of the Rings, I could see that clearly. And then when the movies came out twenty years later, I was like, "Yes, that's exactly what I saw, or very close." Right, and and that's that's amazing if you think about it because it's not like they give you all the details, mm-hmm. but your brain creates the image. Well, from where? Well, from somewhere that you've seen as an awareness. Mm. life is amazing it's It's amazing like i i always i always say to my daughter uncertainty makes life epic epic it's just it makes everything an adventure whereas Mm -hmm. thinking you know who you are what you are what the world is where it's all going that just drags you down like it just it it makes you live a story that you you see as being most probable but that doesn't necessarily mean it is, right? Like we were talking to Eric last week and, and you can see how when you look at the way the world is going, when you look at, at the politics of today and you look at, at the governments of today and, and our, our lack of environmental policies or our lack of, of um, integrity when it comes to following through with our political promises, things like that, it can be very difficult to look at the world and not feel like it's, it's a dumpster fire and that everything's going to shit right? It, it can be very difficult to look at, at our future and not go, I don't know if this is going to last. I think we're all going to die, <laughs> right? It, it's very difficult because we're looking at superficial aspects and assuming we know the story. And that's always very tempting, especially when, when you know, it's, um, we're talking about our lives. But without clarity, we don't know what's happening. And to convince ourselves we do and panic as a response does nothing. And especially in this system, I mean, the fact is, is that if there's anything this system wants us to do, it's panic because they know how to deal with that, right? It's it's the critical thinking, the calm discussion that the system doesn't know how to deal with it. And, and that's that's what we need to have. But in order to do that, we need to come to terms with the fact that we don't know. We don't know. Like, I thought it was interesting. So there was this uh, this poll the other day Uh, This is on, I think the late show with Colbert, but the poll was um, climate change. Do you think humans are responsible for climate change? Yes or no? And then, and, and so he went on to saying like, oh, all these people don't believe in climate change. It's like, that's not what you asked though. You didn't actually ask if they believed in climate change. What the question was, was should we feel guilty about it? Are we to blame? That was the question. Right. Are humans to blame for climate change? So half the people might have went no, realizing there's no division. Right. Half of the mm-hmm. people, could, they could have said no, realizing that, in fact, methane has been just falling out of the ocean for the last decade from Russia and Siberia just because of uh, the permafrost melting or the volcanoes that are continuously being more active or any of the things. And methane is way worse than carbon dioxide in terms of being a, grain, a greenhouse gas. So there is a natural flow that's happening. But that's not what our argument is. Our argument is, are we to blame? So it's more identity. It's more ego. Mm -hmm. And then the entire argument is around that rather than, is climate change happening? And I think if we just ask that, you'd have 90% of the people going, well, yeah. But we don't ask that. We say, are you to blame for climate change? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we wonder why half of them say no.
0: Yeah. Because then, well, then in that sense, like... (laughs) what is there, do you think a lot of people answer that we are to blame because then we feel like there's something we can do about it or?
1: I think that part of it is, um, we like to blame ourselves for things. I think that's part of it. I, I think a part of it is also a willing, a willing blindness, right? Like, yeah, humans are contributing to climate change. Now, what do we mean by humans? Do we mean you? Do we mean me? Or do we mean the system that is dependent on items that quickly degrade, can't be can't be reused and then don't get recycled? Are we talking about a system that's dependent on consistent production without any consideration whatsoever for reusability? Are we talking about you and me? Are we talking about our broken system? Because it's the broken system. That's the problem in terms of climate change. It's not you and me. Right. We're not out there burning aerosol cans you know, we're not out there, we're not out there doing all this, right? But we're the ones responsible for recycling, even though we're not the ones creating the things that need to be recycled. And and so I I think that a part of it is that we don't want to face the fact that in order to stop creating this problem, we have to change business as usual. We just do, right? Because plastic isn't even just about the plastic that we're leaving behind, but the amount of water that's used to, to create that plastic and recycle that plastic, that's all water that that you know we need uh, so so to be wasting it constantly in the pursuit of, of more what you ever watched the lorax the movie no i haven't yeah. do definitely yeah. now that you're awake do <laughs> okay <laughs> because there, there's this great line where because they're, they're selling air to people at this point. And, and one of the marketers, he's like, we found that if we put a, put something in a bottle and put a label on that bottle, people will buy it. And that's it. It's not even whether or not there's anything of value in the bottle. And that's the mentality. Right. If we can just fool them that there's something of value in there, they'll buy it. And that's what drives our economy. That's what drive. That's, that's the whole priority of humanity, right? It's like, you know, it doesn't matter how you become rich and famous, just become rich and famous, right? And everybody else yeah. will suffer as a result. And, and that mentality is something that, that we will eventually grow out of if, if we can realize that it's not about us. Like, it's, it's not about us individually. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is whether or not you're killing your environment. That's it. We're not going to have much of a choice though. We're going to have to deal with this as the water continues to rise and the storms continue to get, you know, nastier. There's no choice. I mean, there are, there are tornadoes that are happening in areas of the world where tornadoes shouldn't happen um, or never did happen. And, and largely it's because we, we clear cut everything. Like we, I have seen here in Canada, whole mountainsides just get mowed, mowed down like for, for, you know, rock or, or for lumber or anything like, but it's a mountain. It was a mountain, and now it's a flat piece of land. And it's like, well, yeah, I can't imagine why you have tornadoes. You know, Everything's flat, <laughs> right? And, and that's it. Or, or the fact, the lack of trees or, or the lack of, of living soil. Like, that's another big deal that we don't really talk about is the fact that even our agriculture is completely skewed. We don't allow soil to be alive anymore. We just use it until it's dead dirt whereas soil should be alive it should have microbial growth there should actually be things living in dirt that keep the plants healthy and alive and trap carbon out of the out of the air and put it in the soil but our agricultural um, dynamic doesn't consider that at all it's just you know plow the field plant the corn plow the field plant the corn and so whereas like 20 30 years ago if you were on well let's say 50 years ago if you went to a farm and they had just plowed the soil you would see birds coming out of all over the place, just to get all the worms and shit that was in the ground, right? When they plowed it. Now, if you go to a farm that's been farmed for 20 years and they plow the soil, there's no birds. They don't show up because there's nothing alive in the ground. There's no more worms. There's no more anything, right? It's just soil and, and uh, pesticides and herbicides and, and Roundup ready and that then that's pretty much it. And, and so we're we have to recognize that a good portion of our climate problem is also The fact that we don't take care of the ground, we don't care take care of the soil at all.
0: Yeah. So if you know this idea that we, you know, we are the world and you and I, you know, we change ourselves, like how does that change that system if everyone, well, I guess if everyone changes themselves, Mm -hmm. but you know if you if we're not like we can't go around changing the world outside of ourselves like how do those things change
1: slightly little ripples at a time right it's kind of yeah. like um the rise of organic vegetables right like at one point you couldn't buy organic vegetables straight up organic ve- vegetables in a grocery store because there was really no need to offer them. Everybody was happy with the way things were going. Then you had more and more people looking into themselves, realizing their health was suffering as a result of shit food, and they started growing their own vegetables. And then over a couple of decades of more and more of those people through personal life choices, changing how they ate and what they bought, the market had to respond. Now all of a sudden you see organic vegetables being offered in grocery stores. But it was the result of individual changes over time accumulating until the system had to adapt to meet that demand, right? And so, Mm -hmm. although we don't see it, our little changes in our own life actually does become cumulative as it starts to merge with other people's changes in their life. I mean, it's the reason why here in British Columbia, we have electric car charging stations all over the province, right? And it's because enough people decided, I'm gonna get an electric car. So the, the province had to do something about it. Like they had to, to put the infrastructure there for those people, but it came about through their individual choices, which became a loud enough crowd that the rest of the audience had to start listening. And, and that's that's what we're doing here. Even in this conversation, like you and I may not be advocating for a lack of pollution or or for people to recycle, but we are advocating for a state of mind that's accountable, we're advocating for clarity, We're we're advocating for, you know, being able to look at your life afresh and decide what it is you need and what it is you're just doing out of habit. All of those things are going to change how people live, even in the slightest way. And though we may not see it within the next year, five, 10 years from now, all of those cumulative changes are going to have a measurable impact, and we're not going to see where it all came from because there's so many things happening that are coming together. But we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing it right now. Like, give me an example. Um, a couple I say about ten years ago, I think the the uh, the vote here in Canada was less than half the population voted, and I think it was similar in the states there for a while. Um, to me, that's a vote. That's people voting for a system they have no no faith in. Like that, that's it. That's a vote of non-confidence. If you're not voting, you are saying you're not confident in the system. To me, that's a vote. And if you were to look at all of all the people who have just stopped voting, it's becoming pretty clear that more and more of us think this system's broken. You know, and, and as a result, we're finding other ways. We're finding ways to work with our community. We're finding ways to connect with other people. We're finding ways to, to get off the grid. Van life, that's, that's something that's spreading like mad right now, right? People just abandoning their homes, abandoning their jobs, just finding other ways to survive. And that's going to change the system. It's already changing the system. Why do you think you know, the um, economists are so pissed off? Like, get back to work. Why aren't you coming back to your jobs? It's like, for what? for what the is the same lack of stability i have now but with a lot less enjoyment yeah yeah we're changing we're changing yeah but with that goes growing pains right and and some period of adjustment and we are we're in that but the rise of cryptocurrency and everything else like this is all part of this of these growing changes and i'm very curious to see what happens in the next five years alone because i don't know if the system as we see it right now can be sustained i really don't because there's there's too much pressure on a system that's not built on a solid foundation the, the, the system of government can't adapt quickly enough to the technology that humanity is creating, nor the change of mind that humanity is adopting. Um, We just can't. And, And we try to build giant, giant structures to maintain things across the globe. But all that does is leave more and more people feeling left out and marginalized because they don't match that giant structure. So either we're going to do this through revolution and revolt and consequence in terms of us just not being accountable for the things that we're creating, or we're going to do this in a measured way where there's enough of us that suddenly go, okay, we need to have this conversation. We, we need to just address the fact that this is broken the way it's working. And as soon as we can do that, then we can actually start to change it and, and figure out what that means. But there's too many people with a vested interest in the way things are right now. We can't expect the system to change itself. We have to change ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Makes sense. We shall see, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. We shall see. And as we go week by week on our podcast here, we will talk about more and more ways that, that things are changing because they are, they they really are. And I say that, that that's the benefit of being 42. Like I, I was thinking about it the other night and it's like, I really enjoy being in my forties because I have so much more that I look back at in terms of my own experience, in terms of how I've seen the world change, and in, in terms of what I've understood about our system of government and our commercial code and everything else. And yeah, there, there are there are significant changes. There there are things that are happening that the system doesn't know how to how to deal with. And I think by far one of my favorites is the uh, the lack of Christianity. So people, more and more people are leaving the church, and the the rise of cryptocurrency because more and more uh, humans have just decided well, this is all a shell game anyway. We might as well play this game of value on our own terms. We don't need to have other people creating the value for us. I think that's fantastic because in all honesty, that that system of of governance uh, through the fiat currency and and the world banking um, is is probably the biggest thing that keeps us in line, right? It's you need to sell your life. For an hourly wage, <laughs> and, and now it's yeah. like actually. Just so you know, you can get involved with the community. You can just you know talk to the people in that community, help grow the technology, get behind something, and five years from now you may not have to work. That's that's changing a lot of a lot of things for people because that wasn't something that's ever been an option for the last hundred years. The most you could hope for was to work into your sixties and then retire.
0: Yeah, I'm glad things are changing. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah. well, likewise, for sure. This has been a great episode. We've passed has, an hour and a half again.
0: Yeah, I feel like what time is it even? Yeah, almost at the two-hour mark.
1: <laughs> Indeed. So we will wrap up episode six. Um, this has been a good one. We've been, we've been talking more about just transitioning from the devotion to what we want to see to the recognition of what is and, and how that changes everything. And I think that's, that's really the entire point of our podcast, if it comes down to it, because we just want people to recognize that they can look at what is that it doesn't, it doesn't matter how they feel about it. And the sooner they get past how they feel about it, the sooner they'll, they'll be able to do something with it. Certainly. Yeah.
0: Exciting, exciting times.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, just so you know, we have another workshop coming up on November 16th. It's going to be another four-week workshop where we will be discussing manifestation. And I know that that... That's a topic that uh, that's an endless rabbit hole, and I'm super excited to get into it because it's something I've thought about for a very long time. I've been involved with numerous different aspects of the manifestation um, industry as it's grown from from the Law of Attraction and the Secret and, and and onward from there. So I, I know I have a lot to talk about, and I know Andrew's going to have a lot to ask and a lot to to toss in there as well because obviously Andrew is walking manifestation. He has been doing it in his daily life, whether he recognizes it or not.
0: Yeah, certainly. I'm, I'm very excited because it's something that it's almost just the idea of, of manifesting. You're always is new to me, like the recognition of that and, you know, getting caught up in, you know, actively manifesting or, or how, you know, you think that you're doing it, whether you think you're doing it, if you're doing anything at all, that's different from what is, but yeah. Yeah excited for it as well. And and I think it'll be a really awesome workshop.
1: Absolutely. So uh, keep an eye out on our social media um, for announcements of the workshop coming up. Of course, you'll find the link in our bio within the next day or so. This is going to be a lot of fun and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us, everyone.